Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. people that John the Apostle inspired because he wrote this, he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. You, you think about all the things that John did and you go, wow, God, that's really cool. That's why the Bible talks about laying up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Well, but think about the other part. If a person does not get the law of reciprocity, whatever you sow, you reap, and a person dies and they're not born again, their works follow them as well for punishment. This is why the great white throne judgment, I believe, is at the end of the millennial reign of Christ because all the evil things that people have done will finally come to full fruition. In other words, they'll finally be fully manifested what they did. Think of the people who started cults. Maybe in the time when they started it, maybe there was 15, 25, 27 people. Now there could be millions of people that have been misled by a lie. Think about Darwin, for instance. The theory of evolution. And he noticed similarities between species. And, and so then he just said, well, you know, we have... And you know what's so amazing? And one of the greatest falsisms about evolution is symmetricalness. You go, what's that mean? Isn't it great that you have one eye here and one eye here? Evolution would say that's impossible. There has to be a designer. Because evolution would say things just randomly happen. I have an eye here, and I've got one right there. See, that, what's weird is they look at this. Why do you have one ear on one side of your head and an ear on the other side of your head? Instead of one ear here and one ear on the top of your head. The faultiness with Darwin's theory is that evolution is impossible based upon what we now know as DNA. And because DNA locks out transmutations, oh, there's always going to be mutations. You're going to have tall people and short people. You're going to have big horses and little horses and stuff, but still a horse is a horse, of course, of course. You're going to find all those kinds of things. But it's still going to be the same thing. In other words, a dog doesn't magically become a cat. And this is what DNA prevents. And they know that. In other words, you cannot prove evolution at all. It's not even really a science, friend. It's a religion. It's a belief. Because science has some basis for it. There is no basis for that. Now you say, why is that important to know that? Because the Bible said God created everything. And people somehow can say, well, we evolved, therefore there is no God, and so therefore we... Well, even if you just go back to the elementary principles of the Big Bang, who let the fuse? So there's a lot of issues that that they cannot answer. But they make up these stories, perpetrate them, they die, the people they influence then influence other people. Oh, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes on Judgment Day. You see, because the thing is, your works follow you. So... Jesus tells him, 
We testify what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things, you don't get that. How will you ever understand spiritual things? No one's ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. This is speaking that Jesus seeks of his origin. Jesus was not born for the first time in his existence in Bethlehem. Jesus has always been. That's when he took on the form of a human being. Us. Body of flesh. Blood. But he's always been. In fact, when we get up to John eight fifty eight, you're going to see that. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. The verses right before that are pretty amazing because Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, saw it, and was glad. <laughs> the Pharisees said, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham, you know, 2,800 years in arrear. And that's when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. What's so amazing is John eight fifty nine that says, and they picked up stones to stone him because they knew he was claiming to be God, the I am that spoke to Moses in the Old Testament. The same I am that visited with Abraham as well. And so, looking at this, he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so, the Son of Man must be lifted up. That whosoever believes on him would not perish but have eternal life. This is so reminiscent of the next verse as well. But as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. What is that? (laughs) Okay, children of Israel come out of Egypt. Okay, they're all coming out of Egypt. And they were murmuring and complaining against God. And they would murmur and complain about everything. It just goes to show you can take the people out of Egypt, but only God can take Egypt out of the people. And they were complaining about everything. Ah, they, you know, God, you know, Moses, we're hungry. So God sent manna on the ground. The word manna, it's really weird. Uh, what is it? That's exactly what the word manna means. What is it? We don't know what it is. Tastes like honey, kind of like, probably like graham crackers. It was delivered on the ground every morning. Except on the weekend, which they were to pick up enough to get him over because that would violate the Sabbath rest. So, uh, God provided for him. And we're tired of eating grime crackers. We're, we don't want this manna. We want meat. At least in Egypt, we had meat. So, Moses said, okay, you're going to get meat. And you're going to be so sick of meat, it's going to be coming out of your ears. And so, God sent birds. And they ate meat. We're thirsty. We're thirsty. And so you remember Moses hits the rock, water comes out. Moses was really tried by a lot of their murmuring and complaining. That's just the way, that's just the way that it was. God finally got angry. And the Bible says that God sent serpents on the people in the wilderness. They began to bite the people and the people were dying. Now what's really weird, these are probably supernatural kind, because in the Hebrew, the word for serpent there is literally flying fiery serpents. I've never seen a flying fiery serpent bite you. But they went to Moses, and they said, Moses, uh, you know, we think God's like bummed with us or something. Can you do something? God goes, and he consults God. God says, take a bronze serpent Wrap it on a pole, set it in the middle of the camp, 
And everybody that's been bitten that looks at the serpent will not die, they'll live. Now, it, it seems to indicate that there were people that wouldn't come and look at the serpent. I'm not going to look at that stupid thing. And they died. Well, notice Jesus identifies with that. Verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. By the way, a bronze serpent, bronze in the Bible, is the medal of judgment. And it says, as as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so Jesus must be lifted up. You say, well, how is Jesus identifying with a snake? It's because, interestingly enough, serpents, snakes in the Bible aren't like really good. Whether it be in the Garden of Eden or where anywhere else, they're not rated as good. But Jesus became our sin. And if we're willing to look at Christ, who took our sin on the cross, and we identify with his death, yes, I should have been on that cross. Jesus took, see, because if I died for my sins, I'd be dead because there's no hope. But Jesus died in our place, but then he rose from the dead, which give, give us all eternal life. So, as we finish here, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever would believe in Him, now the word believe here means putting all your faith, hope, and trust in. Believe isn't simply acknowledge. The Bible says the demons believe and tremble. But notice as we read John 3.16, For God so loved the world. This tells me of God's great love. That doesn't mean God loves everything that's going on in this world, but He loves people in general that He would redeem them. To make them something, what they aren't right now, into something that he wants them to be. In other words, he loves enough to get involved. You know, they say that's one of the biggest problems right now with crime in America. Is they say people can be going through full-on crime and nobody will intervene. Because they don't love enough to be concerned. Oh, that person, too bad about them. It's like a bunch of gazelles on the Serengeti. You know, the lion got one only long and don't get me. I guess I'm all right. They said if you're ever in a situation of a crime and people won't get involved, get them involved. If you're being molested, accosted, raped, pick up a rock and throw it through anybody's window. Get them involved. Then they'll call the cops. They threw a rock through my window. Other than that, they said most people won't do anything. It's selfishness. But God so loved the world, he saw man in his lost condition, and he decided to intervene. Love the world. That he gave his only begotten son. Only begotten son. Friends, you realize in this one verse, it almost completely knocks the wheels out of every goofball religion in the world. For God so loved the world. Isn't it weird that if you go into Eastern religion... Have you ever noticed the incense that they burn in the temples? You know, they got, and they're like, they got the potato and the smoke's coming up. And they're going, oh, you know, what are you doing? We're appeasing our God. Oh, God, are you appeased? Here's a bowl of rice. I'm serious. Check Eastern religion. Why are they doing that? To appease their God. Do you realize that God is reaching out to man And that the full appeasement that we needed was in Jesus Christ. 
So in other words, there's no bowls of rice or incense that I can burn or wearing certain garments or chanting certain mantras that will get me into the place where God will accept me or that he'll be appeased. God is already appeased for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the only one Jesus ever, only one father ever had was Jesus. Well, you know, God had a lot of sons, Muhammad, Buddha, you know. Nope. Sorry, ain't what the Bible says. Says his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him, that's a wide open door, friends. Whosoever. Well, you know, we believe in predestination and that God, (laughs) God has predestined people to go to hell. (laughs) Have you heard that? Hyper-Calvinism? Dangerous, dangerous stuff. Just because God knows the beginning from the end. And by the way, in our last study, Revelation chapter 22. It says, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last. That tells me God is all complete. He's all conclusive. He he knows everything from the beginning to the end. Nothing takes God by surprise. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'd accept Christ as my Savior, but I'm afraid I'll do something wrong and then God won't like me. God will know, knows all the things we're ever going to do. And just because God knows my ultimate decision concerning Him doesn't mean that you and me today don't have the freedom to make that decision. What kind of a God is it that learns? Can you... Oh God, did you see the 6 o'clock news? Well, let me tell you because you probably didn't see it. No, God knows it all. So, looking at this, Sent his only begotten son. Whoever believed in him would not perish. We're doomed to, if we don't perish, but have everlasting life. What does a dying person need? Life. You see, that's what God wants to do for you today, is give you life. That's what we're realizing. You know, when we get older, we realize that we, we recognize things different. I remember when I was about five years old, looking out the screen door in my parents' house in Southern California, I looked out the screen door and realized that we had three months of summer vacation. When you're five years old, friends, that is an eternity. When your parents would tell you to go stand in the corner for five minutes as a timeout, That was like a hundred years. Friends, five minutes goes by like that. And the older you get, three months goes by like that. As a matter of fact, the older you get, the faster it goes. Now why is that? Because of the amount of time you live. You know, if you've only lived five years, six months is a long time. But if you have lived... If you've lived 60 years, six months isn't very much time anymore. The older you get, the faster it goes. And when you realize how fast it goes, you realize something, whether you think about it or not, your own mortality. That as you drive past the cemetery, barring the rapture, no one gets out of this alive. 
And we think even every year or every Christmas or, or whatever, we think about people who are with us the year before that aren't with us anymore. Why? Because the time ran out. What does a dying person need? Life. And only Jesus gives that. I remember there was a, a lawsuit proposed many years ago. This evangelist, one of these beer commercials said, I can't remember which one it was, Hootendooey adds life. And um, he got sued by the beer company. And he said, your product, our product does add life. And so anyway, this Back Hills preacher who was heard by this beer company, he got a message to him and he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do in court. I'm going to contact the morgue and I'm going to bring a a dead person, into the courtroom. And then I'm going to open a six-pack of your product and pour it on him. And if he gets out of that coffin, I will give you whatever you want. And if he doesn't, your product doesn't add life. The beer company immediately dropped this lawsuit. They didn't want that kind of PR. And when you stop to think about it for a minute, what kind of life is it? What kind of life is it that you need? You see, you need eternal life. Life with Him. Life that means something that your life, at the end of your life, you'll look at it and say, as God will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what becoming born again is. The law shows us our need for a Savior, but once we accept Him as Savior, now God's got a purpose. Being filled with the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit moves us like wind where He wants us to be. We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's going, and we don't always, but we know that when we're there, God is going to have an impact in the area we're in. If you're not a Christian, I would invite you to consider your relationship with Christ. Because if you do not have a relationship with Christ, the Bible says you will die in your sins. And your sins will follow you throughout all of eternity. And in those sins following you out throughout all of eternity will rob you of the blessings that you could have received by letting God's Holy Spirit move you about. Taking away the daily doldrums of of sunrising and sunsetting and nothing ever changing. God wants to do something brand new in your life today. It simply begins with a prayer. And then God shows you Your whole life is goodness. If you've never received Jesus as Savior, if you've never put all your faith, hope, and trust in Him, as we read, He that believeth in Him will not perish. If you put all your faith, hope, and trust in Him today, you will never be the same. Why is that? Because God opens your eyes. Just as you had a natural birth, there's a supernatural birth that God does. Boring His Spirit into you. That's pretty neat. So now your life means something through eternity. And because we're about our Father's business, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God can give us that eternal purpose and eternal reward. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we're going to pray. And if you'd like to pray and ask Jesus into your life, you repeat this. And God will do as you ask. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I admit I'm a sinner. 
I've fallen so short of your goals, of your purpose. I've fallen so short of even what I thought in myself I could do. And so I now repent of foolish living and I turn my life over to you. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And so now, from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Move me by your Holy Spirit where you want me to be, what you want me to do. And so fill me with your Holy Spirit. And give me your power now to be about your purposes. And thank you for eternal life. I never have to be worried about dying ever again. But I can be settled in you. And so I commit my life into your hands now, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that, welcome to God's family. Begins with a prayer, but God shows us our whole life, His goodness. It isn't instantaneous many times. Sometimes you may feel that, wow, I really feel different. Sometimes you may not. My mom and dad were interesting. My mom and dad received Jesus on the same day. They came down and stood. My mom had told me this story many times and was in her testimony when she would share with other people. My dad had a lightning bolt experience. He drank, he cussed, he smoked. All went away instantly. My mom, on the other hand, saved the same day. Many of her habits were still there. I still remember witnessing to a friend. And she said, well, you know, after I accepted the Lord, I still cussed. But you know what's the funniest thing? I didn't use God in my cuss words anymore. (laughs) I thought that was funny. But God began his change. Sometimes we have those lightning bolt experiences. Sometimes we don't. But we're growing in Christ. And I just want you to continue to grow in that understanding. The Bible says to read. So read your Bible every day. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Start in the book of John. Right where we've been reading right now. John chapter 3. Just read. Let God speak to you. We'll have a baptism. And you can come and be baptized. And get Christian friends. Worldly friends will drag you the wrong way. They just do. Solomon, very wise, very wealthy, said, It isn't that the good rubs off on the bad. It's that the bad rubs off on the good. Pick your friends wisely. That's going to help you maintaining your purpose. But you know what? When you get Christian friends, the Bible says if one falls down, the other one lifts them up. Oftentimes in the world, when one falls down, the other one kicks him. (laughs) So you get Christian friends and let God do what he wants to do in your life. He's got more to offer you than you could ever, ever offer him. Father, for those this morning that said yes to you, I pray, God, that you would transform them. And they would begin each day to see your spirit come alive in their heart. 
And so, Father, as we commit our lives to you, and as we walk in your ways, may your Holy Spirit use us. And may we recognize, God, that love that you have for us. And when we pray, we can tell you what's on our heart, and you hear every word. And you know what we need, even before we ask. And so, Father, we commit this into your hands of being about your business. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.